squeaking living a money pit. Money Pit is presented by Heart Tools, available at Walmart and Arrow Fastener. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And thank you for spending part of your day with us. We're here to help you take on and get done your home improvement, your home repair projects around the house, inside or out, floorboards to shingles. If there is something you'd like to get done to make your home more pleasant, more organized, or if it's a project you want to plan for the future, start your planning right here. There's a couple of ways to get in touch with us. Us, you can call us at one eight 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 Money Pit, or you can post your questions at moneypit.com or facebook.com slash the money pit. Because that's what we do. We get that a house can sometimes feel well, pretty much like an endless pit into which money is thrown. But uh, you know what? We have kids, so we know that feeling, and maybe you do too. So we're here to help you get those projects accomplished and save some money at the same time, and maybe even have a little bit of fun. So coming up on today's show, when it comes to the topic of home improvement, have you ever noticed that there's more bad advice sometimes than sage wisdom? And that bad advice spreads like wildfire, especially, Leslie, when somebody owns it. Like, you must pre-rinse your dishes. One spouse says yes, the other one says no, <laughs> and it is an endless uh, argument over the cleanup uh, part of the evening. So we'll tackle some of the most common tales and help you separate fact from home repair fiction in just a bit. And also ahead, if you wanted to sell your home today, there are five decor elements that will keep buyers from ever pulling up to the curb. We're going to share those and what a survey of the nation's top real estate agents say you'll need to do in a post-pandemic world to assure a quick sale at the best price. Plus, are you making silly mistakes about changing your smart devices? We've got tips on how some simple changes in how you charge those devices can save you quite a bit of money. And when you listen to The Money Pit, you get the answers to your home improvement and decor questions, plus a chance to win tools to get the projects done. Today, we're featuring not one, not two, but a 215-piece tool set. Yep, it's the Hart Multi-Drive 215-piece mechanics tool set. It's worth 149 bucks. You know, Hart tools are durable, they're well-made, and they're available exclusively at Walmart. And we've got one set of tools going out to one listener drawn at random. So give us a call right now. That number again is one eight 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 Money Pit. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Christine in Ohio, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? We have a 1930s home, and the owner, he built it for himself and lives here for a while. The electricity has been replaced since then, and it's a new box, you know, with the on and off switches and a lot of labels, including one that says gutter heater, which I'm curious about. But my question is, <laughs> okay. we're, painting, we're, we're painting the whole house, and all the outlet boxes are being replaced and the switches, and... We're, we're replacing the switches, but the wires look like they're original to the home. Do those need replaced as well? How old is the wiring? When was the home built? 1930-ish. Is it knob and tube wiring? Do you know what that is? Well, I thought that meant what was in the box, so I guess I do not, because the box in the basement 
is just the switches. The panel may have been fuses and then upgraded to circuit breakers, but what you're concerned about is the wiring in the wall. I'll say this. If it's knob and tube wiring, which is the original form of, of centrally, central wiring that was added to homes around that time, by the way, uh, that, type of, that type of wiring has to uh, be replaced because it's not grounded and it's not groundable. Um, if it's really any other type of wiring, and, and as long as it's wired correctly and your electrician can check all that, then you could probably keep it okay knob and tube wiring is easy to spot uh it's a a black rubber coating it is strung along the sides of wood beams from ceramic tubes and whenever it goes through a beam uh it's strung from the side of beams with ceramic knobs and whenever it goes through the beams is a ceramic tube that goes through it and and that type of wiring is very unsafe so other than that i think as long as everything's wired properly you know you should be good to go it's not a do-it-yourself project by the way you need that professional electrician uh do this work for you christine okay is it possible that the wiring like because i didn't see anything that looked like that what you're describing but i don't see how they could not have how they could have replaced it if the wiring that i'm seeing it looks like, you know, it's just coming out of the light switch, say, under the box plate. It's got like a cloth. You, you should not be doing this it. work yourself, Christine. This is not a difficult thing to assess for a professional electrician. There are a lot of places aside from inside those boxes where you can see the type of wiring, any, any exposed framing in the attic or basement, for example, uh, you'll see this wiring. Okay. Thanks so much. We'd love to tell you to do it yourself. This is what I'm telling you. Don't do it yourself. Okay. All right. Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Jim in Pennsylvania is looking to install a hot tub. Lucky Duck, tell us about your project. We're looking to install a hot tub indoors in a sunroom that we have in our house. My big question is I'm concerned about what kind of ventilation I would need to put in and what I, what sort of treatment I would need to do to the walls to avoid mold and damage to the walls. Oh, come on, Jim. Suck it up and put it outside. You know, go out there with your bathing suit on in the, in the, in the winter, drop in, and everything will be good. No moisture problems. Save yourself a lot of aggravation. All right. I tell you what. Um, you are f- absolutely right to be concerned because those hot tubs are moisture machines when you put them inside a building. And you absolutely must dehumidify or vent to the outside. They put off so much moisture. If you don't, you can have all sorts of mold problems and air quality issues. So that is as much a part of this project as getting the tub in. And you might want to rely on your your, uh, tub installers or the company you're buying this from for some specific advice. But there are systems designed for this that uh, either dehumidify the air that's in there or uh, there's one that pressurizes uh, the space a little bit. And in doing so, it sort of moves the moisture out. But one way or the other, you have to plan to get that moisture out of that space um, or you will have some of the issues pop up that you're rightly concerned about. Okay. So... Damage to the walls. Do you, do you know? Do I need to treat the walls? Would I need to, you know, put some, some sort of laminate on the walls or something like that? Or well, if you have standard drywall in a high humidity, humidity situation like that, you're going to get mold that grows. You know, there's mold resistant drywall that if you want to replace the drywall, you can. But you know, that's that's kind of dealing with it after the fact. I, I want you to stop that moisture from growing to the point before where, it's a problem. Right, before it's a problem. And, and that's why you need to really focus in initially on the dehumidification system that you decide to, to deploy. Okay? Okay. Well, thank you all very much for your time. I appreciate the information. You're welcome, Jim. Good luck with that project. And thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. 
What projects are you taking on this weekend, this week, whenever, this spring season? We are here to give you a hand. But even better, we're here to give away some awesome tools this hour. We've got up for grabs the Hart Multiple Drive 215-piece mechanics tool set. I mean, these tools are durable. They're very well made. They can handle any job in the garage or around the house. It features 90-tooth ratchets that allow up to 20% more access in those tight spaces, so you'll be sure to tackle a ton of projects. They're available exclusively at Walmart, offering a complete line of tools and accessories so you can easily tackle any project. Do it with heart. Learn more at hearttools.com. That 215-piece mechanics tool set from Hart is going out to one listener drawn at random. Make that you. Pick up the phone and call us at 888-MONEYPIT or post your questions right now at moneypit.com. Lisa in Michigan's on the line dealing with a humid bath. What's going on? I have a energy efficient house that was built very tight and they put in a exhaust fan in the bathroom um, to allow ventilation for the whole house. But I don't know if it's doing a correct job and I've read some places where they say to leave it running all the time. So the timer that's in the bathroom exhaust fan, first of all, that would be a very weird place to put whole house ventilation, by the way. That exhaust fan is probably just for your bathroom to take the moisture out of the bathroom. That would be more normal. Don't. Why do you think it's for the whole house? It's not a whole house. They use it for uh, ventilation because the house is so tight. Well, it's taking air out. Mm-hmm. Well, if the house is really tight, the ventilation would be where we add air back in, not where we take air out. We take air out. That's usually because we have damp moisture we want to get rid of. I, I'm pretty sure that what you're seeing in your bathroom is not for the entire house. I think it is just for a typical bathroom exhaust fan. And the timer on it um, is one that would, if it's set normally, it would be set for humidity. It might have a humidistat on it. So I don't think what you're seeing is for whole house ventilation. There would be a different type of fan that would be used for that. Is this in the bath ceiling? Yeah. Yeah. It's not for the whole house. Well, but that's what I've read that that's what they're doing on some of these houses. No, it might be just bad information that's getting passed around. That wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. Okay. All right. Do I need to to have some type of air exchange for a house that is... Well, that's an architectural question, and it depends on how tight the house is and what the air changes per hour were designed to be. If it's any less than about three-quarters of an air change per hour, then you probably do need to have some replacement air ventilation in it. But I would ask your builder or your HVAC contractor that question, and then they can discuss the options for for that. The the trick is that you want to be able, if you're going to bring in fresh air, you want to do it through something called an air-to-air heat exchanger so that if it's you're exhausting stale air but you're you're recovering the BTUs that were used to heat that air. So you're not getting rid of the heat. It's kind of like a radiator where it's passing it from bad air to the good air on the way in. So you're sort of preheating that, that, that air that's coming in from the outside using the heat that was in the stale air. That's why it's called an air-to-air heat exchanger because it, it exchanges the air, but it traps the heat or the cool. Okay? So good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get socked with allergens too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. 
Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T, MONEYPIT. Well, when it comes to the topic of home improvement, there's often more bad advice than sage wisdom that spreads like wildfire. True. And for those of us in the role of trying to provide the best advice, we often need to help separate fact from fiction, which is why we thought it might be fun to get to the bottom of some of these common household myths. All right. Here's the first one. When you're using a garbage disposer, the water's got to be running. True or false? Ah, you know, that's one that used to come up a lot in my years as a professional home inspector because I'd always test it and I would turn it on and let it run. And then invariably, about half the time, one of the homeowners would come in very concerned and say something like, you're going to ruin my garbage disposer. You must run water when you turn on the disposer. And it was kind of pointless because they weren't in the mood to listen to me. But the truth is, no, you're not going to ruin it because it doesn't need the water to keep cool or to work smoothly or avoid any kind of bearings wearing out. Those bearings work fine with water or without water, so you do not need to run water when you run your disposer. Now, that said, by running the water, it helps push the food particles down into the drains quicker, but it certainly won't ruin the device by running it without the water running. All right, good to know. How about this one? You should always pre-rinse dishes before running the dishwasher. Leslie, what's your take? 
I mean, I still do, even though the technology has advanced so much with dishwashers. I think actually you don't have to because with the technology on the new dishwashers, they actually sense the amount of dirt on the dishes. So they adjust the amount of water and the type of spray and all of that to give you the optimal clean. If you've got an older dishwasher and you notice it's not working so great, then that pre-rinse probably helps. But newer ones, it's really not necessary. I totally agree. And you know what that term is that determines how dirty the water is? It's the termidity. That's the fancy word for dirty, gross dishwasher water. <laughs> I would expect it to be something more like a um, gross factor or like, yeah, that you know, <laughs> yuck. <laughs> All right. When you're doing a DIY project at your house, do you need to get a building permit? You absolutely do, because just because you're doing the project yourself doesn't mean you can skip the permitting process. Now, look, some things like painting, sanding, putting up molding, those generally don't require a permit. But if you're going to add outlets, if you're going to change a stove from electric to gas, if you're going to build a deck, if you're going to move a wall, you definitely need a permit. And you really want to make sure that if it's required, you get it because you could risk fines or have a huge problem when it comes time to sell your house. Because guess what? You will not be able to get a certificate of occupancy because you did something without a permit and maybe something part of it was illegal and with no certificate of occupancy, the buyer says bye-bye because their mortgage company will never lend on a house that doesn't have a CFO. I mean, it's really amazing. So you got to be careful. Better safe than sorry, guys. You got to ask. All right. Last one. When it comes to cooling and heating systems, bigger is better? You know, everybody wants to make sure the system is big enough to keep them comfortable, but the truth is that an oversized system is just not going to work as well as a system that fits the house just right. For example, if you get an oversized air conditioner, it's going to cool off the house fast, but it's going to be a blast of frigid, damp, moist air. It's going to shut off before it pulls out much of that remaining humidity from your house, and you'll get a clammy environment that's prone to mildew, and it's going to waste a lot of energy. And if you get an oversized furnace, that quickly pumps out the heat, and then shuts down, which is really inefficient. It's called cycling. You know, it turns on, the heat comes up, it turns off and on and off and on and off. And again, that's going to waste a lot of fuel and be very uncomfortable. So you want the right size, not the biggest size. Adrian, Tennessee, you've got the money pit. What can we do for you today? Yes, I have a question about Bermuda seeds. Um, last year, my lawn was destroyed by uh, army worms. And I want to know what was the best way to reseed my lawn using a hybrid Bermuda seed. So your lawn was destroyed by worms? Is that what you said? Yeah, army worms. Oh, oh army worms. Because, oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. And what did you do to address the infestation? Um, we used pesticides. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you kill the lawn in the process? Um, some of the some of the uh, Bermuda. What you might want to do is, is, is do a roundup restoration. A roundup restoration is where you treat all of the lawn, and actually it's a little bit late now because you would do this in the fall, but you would treat all the entire lawn, which basically kills the lawn and anything that's coming up through it, like the weeds and all of that. And then as that starts to, starts to die off, I think you have to wait like two weeks or so after doing the application. You actually seed right on top that or seed through it. The way the process works is the the new grass grows up through the old grass, and as the old grass kind of deteriorates away, the new grass comes up, but the old grass sort of holds it in place and helps it get going. If you do it early enough, then you know you have pretty good root depth by the time the warm summer sun starts uh, to arrive. And in terms of selecting that seed, you know you mentioned a couple of seeds. I'm not quite sure with whether or not either of those work in your part of the country. I might do some more local research on that. But if you've had a diseased lawn in the past, 
that's one way to deal it, deal with it. We did that to our house many, many years ago. And, uh, what we got after the very first, uh, spring, it came up and we had a nice green lawn. It was, it was thin. You know, it wasn't really dense because it was the first yeah. season. But by the time we got to the second and third season, man, I tell you what, it was really thick and beautiful. And I'm very, very happy that we did that because the other option would have been to continually treat, you know, every ailment the lawn had with pesticides. And I was very pleased to just having done done it once and, and not had to do it again. I will say, though, it's kind of shocking though, when your entire lawn turns brown at the same time. Your neighbors kind of wonder what's going on at your house. <laughs> but but it really yeah. did work. So it's called a Roundup Restoration. I might uh, be tempted to give that a try in this particular situation, Adrian. And in Massachusetts is on the line with a question about a basement with a dirt floor. Tell us what's going on. I have just a dirt floor down in my basement, and it's it's a smaller home, just two bedrooms, uh, kitchen. And I'm wondering, um, is that the only remedy for to put so I could use the basement at least for some storage? What's your ceiling height down there, Ann? Um, it's kind of open with the. Um, the wood, you know, beams going across. Yeah, but I mean, if you were to, well, let me just put it this, to you this way. If you were to put four inches of concrete on that floor. Could you still stand? Yeah. <laughs> yes, you could in most of it. There is one okay. side towards um, the back of the house that you have to, you know, stoop down a little bit. But. Yeah, because, I mean, I think it's a fine thing for you to do, and uh, you're going to want to make sure you put that down and, and make sure it's reinforced so it doesn't crack. And you may even be able to excavate out a little bit of that soil in the low area so that it's, so you pick up more stealing, uh, more height so that you can stand up there. But, you know, that's a, that's a perfect solution for a basement that's got a dirt floor is to add a concrete slab to it. It doesn't have to be very thick. Four inches should be fine okay. or something like that. Just make sure you're working with an experienced mason that the soil they put it on has been tamped down and smoothed out properly. And believe it or not, that's a project they could probably get done inside of a day. Awesome. And um, the contractor I would look for is a mason. Like a mason, that's correct. Yeah. Yep, exactly. You can go to homeadvisor.com. Okay. And uh, put in your zip code and uh, look for a mason that way and read some of the reviews and, and find somebody you're happy with and then uh, get it done. Okay. Thank you so much for your help. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Well, this is interesting. According to the Top Agents Insight Report, there are several features potential home buyers like seeing in a new house, like kitchen islands, double vanities, and energy-efficient windows. But there are also some decor and material choices that are so dated, seeing them even in online listing will turn buyers off so quickly they will never, ever consider the home. Yeah. Now, research shows the top five telltale signs of a home's age in a listing photo or virtual tour include... Carpeting in the bathroom. 73% of agents report this as a problem. I can't even believe this still exists. It's so... What were the other 27% thinking? They're like, well, that's not so bad. At least my feet are cozy. Um, Popcorn ceilings were 66%. Shag carpeting, 62%. Wood wall panels, 57%. And old window treatments, including dated valances, drapes, and curtains at 49%. Now, the thing that jumps out here... 
is that you can change all of that very easily. Right, exactly. Now, it's funny. I think the only areas where carpet in the bathroom didn't rank number one were the mountain and Pacific regions where agents say that popcorn ceilings are more egregious an offense in a listing online. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's really amazing. Those are all fixable. But here's another pandemic-driven change. Now, agents say even once a vaccine is widely available, 59% of agents are saying that they plan to include a virtual tour on all or most of their listings, and 48% plan to keep offering FaceTime or Zoom house tours. Now, these virtual methods of viewing homes are, and they're definitely going to continue to be popular because they help buyers rule out a property faster, and it cuts back on the hassles of physical showings for the And, you know, we've been saying this for years. If you want to sell your home quickly and for the highest possible price, curb appeal may be king. But being able to show that curb appeal through good online photos is definitely King Kong because your listing will continue to be judged very harshly by its online presentation. Don't let those buyers swipe left on your listing. (laughs) You want them to swipe right so that they really like you and will come see your house and buy it for a lot of money. Tim in Tennessee is on the line and is noticing some mysterious spots on the floor. What's going on? Yeah, I picked up a place this past summer, and um, there's some dark spots uh, scattered throughout the on the floor on a wood floor. And uh, wondering if there was some way to deal with that without uh, having to uh, take off the top layer and and uh, redo it. So spots on the wood floor. Yeah. Do we? Do you have any idea what caused the spots, Tim? Um, I know the house was uh, empty for a period of time. I'm not sure exactly how long, but my guess is uh, in Tennessee, the humidity, there may have been moisture gathered on the floor. And is this floor finished? Yes, it's, it was finished. Yes. So it's a finished hardwood floor then? Yeah, it, it looks to me uh, kind of like a maple maybe. Okay. So I don't think there's, there's not likely anything you can do to remove that from a cleaning perspective. It really is probably time for it to be professionally sanded and refinished. All right. And I, and I think that you want to do that professionally because to rent the equipment that's necessary for that, and if you don't do it every day, it's easy to make a mistake. There is a machine called a USAN machine that you could rent that, that, is, that would not damage your floor, but the thing is it's not going to take off that much of the finish, and I'm concerned that it may not take off enough to get past those black marks. Okay. All right. And uh, one situation that I have found uh, going through the, the big box stores is uh, – uh, the finish requires, it says to require it to be just sanded to a 220, and I can't find anything finer than a 120 to go on these machines. Well, where you rent these machines, they typically will also provide the sandpaper. Yeah, I just, I haven't seen anything finer than 120. Well, 220 is awfully fine for a floor. I, I think you probably, with a floor, especially a hardwood floor, you're going to want to use one that's a lot, um, that, that's poor, closer to that. Uh, 120 to 150 area. All right. Well, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Hey, if you've got a project planned but don't have the tools to get it done, we're going to help solve that DIY dilemma right now because we've got the Hart Multiple Drive 215 piece mechanics tool set to give away to one lucky listener. This is durable, it's well made, it can handle any job in the garage or in your home. It includes an extensive range of SAE and metric size sockets and drive tools, so you're going to have the tool to get whatever fastener, loosened, or secured that you need. It also features 90 tooth ratchets that allow up to 
50% more access in tight spaces. Now, let me tell you why that's important. If you need to get a ratchet into a tight space, like you're trying to take a bolt off on a car, it really helps when you have 90 teeth to work with because you don't have to have as much space to swing that ratchet back and forth. Now, these also have a rust-resistant chrome finish and large size markings for quick and easy identification. The Heart Mechanics tool set is available exclusively at Walmart, offering a complete line of tools and accessories so you can easily tackle any project. Do it with Heart. Learn more at hearttools.com. That 215-piece mechanics tool set is worth $149, and it's going out to one listener drawn at random. Make that you. You want to win it, we know. Pick up the phone. Give us a call now at 888-MONEYPIT or post your questions at moneypit.com. Head into New Jersey where Vicki has a painting question. How can we help you? I have dining room and part of my living room. I had the ceiling was peeling, painting and peeling. Okay. As the pieces were spreading wide, opening, coming down, I had a painter come, and he scraped all the peeled paint off, and there were parts that were not peeled, so he didn't touch that. He just peeled the pieces coming down. Now he painted. I have no idea if he put a sealant or not. Then after that, about a year or so later, I had the same problem. Now... This is all coming down, so I have another painter, another $4,000 I put into this, and it's peeling again. Let's talk about what's probably happening with your paint. When you have paint that starts to peel like that, it's essentially sort of delaminating. The paint, between the layers of paint, it loses its ability to to remain sort of stuck together. It loses its bond. And it's very common for this to happen uh, when you have a lot of coats of paint because at some point, uh, you're really at the point of no return where the paint, you can't just keep adding more paint because it will peel. You have to strip off the paint that's there. So if you've got this problem of paint that repeatedly peels, the next time you work on this project, you have to apply a paint stripper and pull off the old paint. Then you need to prime that space, and I would use an oil-based primer for maximum adhesion, and then you can add the final finishing touch of a latex sealing paint over that. But if you keep adding good paint over bad paint, you're continually going to have this problem where you get peeling and delamination, and the process will have to be repeated. Vicki, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, we all love our smart devices, you know, phones, tablets, laptops, pretty much everything in your house. And these days, there is one or maybe even two for every man, woman, and child in your house. Now, what you might not love is what they're doing to your electric bill. Believe it or not, guys, 40% of that electricity used to power mobile devices and other home electronics is consumed after those devices are switched off. So when you've charged up a device, don't just unplug it from the charger. Unplug that charger from the wall socket as well. And if you've got a hard time remembering, try a power strip. Some of them will sense when the power is flowing below 30 watts and shut off the power to the whole strip. These are costs that can really sneak up on you. But if you make a change in that charging routine, you'll also see a change in your energy bill. Jacob in Kentucky is on the line with a water heating question. What can we do for you? Hi. Um, yeah, basically, the problem that I'm having is um, when I'm taking a shower, and it kind of in the sink as well in the kitchen, um, when I turn on the hot water, you could, I mean, you can cook macaroni in the hot water. Um, you got to kind of fidget with it if you wash your hands too long or something. Uh, and in the shower, kind of the same thing. 
um, you know, I won't turn it on full blast on hot, but, you know, just about um, normal, and it'll cool off after just a couple of minutes. It'll just almost go cold, and then, you know, just as you're taking a shower, I mean, in the duration of five or ten minutes, I mean, I end up going all the way over with the, with the hot water, just, you know, the one knob, and end up turning it on, I guess, you know, like full blast hot. So let's see what's going on here. Um, how old is your water heater? It's fairly new. I think it's uh, just a few years old, maybe three years old. Is it electric or gas? It's gas. So first of all, let's check the temperature of the water heater. It needs to be at about 110 degrees. And see if there there may be a temperature indicator on the valve that you can line up, or you could simply measure it with a thermometer. Secondly, in terms of the shower, what I would recommend is that you install what's called a pressure-balanced valve. So what a pressure-balanced valve does is that once you set the temperature, it maintains the mix between hot and cold so that you deliver that same temperature regardless of what happens to the pressure on one side or the other. So if somebody flushes the toilet or you know runs the dishwasher and all of a sudden you've got less cold water or less hot water, it's going to adjust. So the flow may be greater or less, but the temperature will never change, and that makes the, the shower situation pretty much go away. Okay, awesome. Uh, what, what was it called again, the valve? A pressure-balanced valve. It's a type of shower valve. Oh, okay. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. Okay, ask your plumber for it. They'll know exactly what you're talking about. All right. Well, I definitely appreciate your call. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. You can post your questions online, just like Sue in Florida did. She says, I've got a question about my driveway, and I need to remove some rust stains. Can you help? Yeah, I mean, rust stains are pretty straightforward to remove, but first of all, why are you getting rust stains? Very often, it becomes you have a sprinkler that is like misdirected and maybe it's hooked up to well water. But uh, regardless of that, you can use trisodium phosphate, so TSP for short. You want to make it up, mix it up to like a paste consistency, let it sit on that stain for a while, and then you can wash it away. The only drawback is that it has a bleaching effect, so it could leave kind of a brightened stain spot that's lighter than the rest of the driveway, so you might want to just check that out first. All right, next up, we've got a post here from Alyssa in Colorado, and she writes, we would like to add an additional exterior spigot to our yard. The spot we've picked out is 50 feet away from the house. Does the line need a slope, and should there be a way to drain the line before winter? Only if you don't want to have frozen, busted water pipes when you turn it back on. <laughs> yeah, and that is the challenge there. Now, you know, in my part of the country, we have a lot of folks that have uh, water lines that may go 50 feet out towards a dock, but they always slope down to the water. So if you open up the faucet on the far end and, and close it off at the house side, it usually drains out just fine. In your case, it's going to be underground and it's going to turn up. 90 degrees and then go up above ground and probably be tied off to a fence post or something like that. So how do you remove that water? The water will always sit in it. Well, the only way to do that is with an air compressor. You'll have to turn it off inside the house and then blow air through an opening in the pipe to push out any of that water. It's like what you do to a sprinkler system. They use air, compressed air, to blow it out so the water doesn't sit in the pipe because if you don't, it's going to freeze, it will expand, and then the pipe will be ruptured, and you will find that out the next time you turn it on in the spring, and you'll see a big bubbling geyser come up in the middle of your yard exactly 50 feet away from the house. (laughs) And I mean, and you're sure to get frozen pipes in Colorado, so you've got to do this the right way. 
We got an email here from Kay who says, my house was built in 1962. We just solved a water problem in the basement thanks to your help. Now we're looking for some recommendations on flooring. What's the best type of flooring for a basement space? So good question. And Leslie, I think right now there's a lot of choices that would work well, right? I mean, there really are. You know, the problem with basements is that they're sort of just moist environments because they're below grade. There's usually a concrete slab on the floor in there, so it tends to get very hydroscopic and wet and damp. So you need to make sure that you've got a flooring that can stand up to that. So not a natural hardwood. You want something that's more fabricated, like an engineered vinyl plank or a laminate plank, something like that that's man-made, that's sort of a you know, a compressed plastic, a composite, if you will, that's really meant to stand up to this. And there are so many choices and brands and styles and looks that there is definitely something you're going to like, I promise. Yeah, take a look at llflooring.com and also look in addition to the EVP, the engineered vinyl plank and the laminate floor, you can use engineered hardwood flooring, which is like solid hardwood, but it is built to be dimensionally stable. And so it's approved for damp environments. So if you solve that moisture problem, good for you. I think you've got a lot of choices in what kind of floor you can put down and really start to enjoy that space. And Kay, if you're looking for something a little bit cozy in a basement space, maybe you were hoping that our answer is wall-to-wall carpeting, which it is not. You can absolutely add an area rug on top of whatever water-safe flooring you pick. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Hey, thank you so much for spending this little part of your day listening to us. We hope that you've picked up a tip or two to help you with your DIY projects or projects that you'd like to get a pro to get done. If you've got questions that come up any time of the day or night, you can always call us at 888-MONEY-PIT. If we're not in the studio, we will call you back the very next time we are. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Oh, 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 oh,